WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the cinemas and on DVD. Get ready for Wait for it! Film Sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosi. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever. Yes. Let's find out how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosi. I want to party. I want a samba. show here on WFYI HD to the point and your ears are not deceiving you you are you are not hearing the practiced sonorous tones of Matthew Sosi this is Christopher Lloyd from the Film app filling in for him along with my good friend Ed Johnson from Nouveau News Weekly you're pretty sonorous am I sonorous yeah I'm not even sure if that's the right am I am I emphasizing the right syllables it's sonorous is sonorous sonorous seems like I think sonorous is a town in California <laughs> They have bad wine and good pot. Mm-hmm. Oh, but here we are. It's a lovely Friday, sort of, in spring. It is Friday. In spring. Technically, it is spring. In springtime, objectively. Yes, but it's a spring where we're still talking about the wind chill. Yeah. Uh, and as always, we've got with us Manning the Producer's chair there, Mr. Colby Slugman. Good afternoon. Good to see you guys. Good to see you, Kobe. He just does a little. He, he finds audio clips. He offers his own perspective. He runs the board. He just takes everything good <laughs> and makes it a little bit better. He could do this show without any of us. He really could. He does voices, too. He could be his own guest. <laughs> so He's here we taking are. over when Letterman retires. <laughs> <laughs> that, should be, that should be like, you know, how certain positions of power are inherited. I think things should be patched down from... Not just from Hoosier to Hoosier, but from Indianapolis boy to Indianapolis boy. Mm-hmm. Or, or girl. We, we, we how, sad, some... how sad were you guys when you heard the announcement about Letterman? Not, I guess, sad, yes. Surprise, no. I think he's been hinting at it for the last couple of years. I don't watch him. It's on too late for me. I'm, give me a break. I'm, I couldn't tell you the last time I was still awake at 11.35 when I was not working on a movie review. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really. I never really got into the, like, the late night comedy talk show. Like Even Saturday Night Live, people were like, oh, did you see Saturday Night Live Saturday? No, I didn't see Saturday Night Live. It's not until 1 o'clock. I need uh, my sleep. <laughs> I've been, I, since he was doing Clover Power on Channel 13 and his news talk show on WNTS, I've been watching him all the way through. I heard the announcement yesterday. I saw the film clip of, uh, of of the announcement from the show hours before the show. When the show actually came on and he made the announcement, I bawled like a little kid. Oh. Uh, I do miss his younger, you know, younger, zanier days because I mean, his show has really, I mean, from when it was the Late Show on NBC and then the CBS show, mm-hmm. has evolved quite a bit. Um, he, uh, he dared to grow up. He, he did dare to grow up, but you know, you, you, like I remember, you know, one of the when I was in high school or whatever, they would do things like, uh, you know, they were like throwing things off the top of a 16-story mm-hmm. building and filming it just to see what it would look like when it splatted. And they would do, you know, things like a like a great big, you know, tray of lasagna. What does lasagna look like when you throw it off 16 floors? Watermelons were good. Paint cans, variety of paint cans <laughs> was always good. Yeah. Uh, good. Is Paul Schaefer going with him? Yep, the whole whole gang. Really? Yeah. Yep, everybody. 
Now, if there's wow. anybody on this planet who, you know, hitched his wagon to a rising star and had a career that, you know, I mean, that he would not otherwise. I don't think Paul Schaefer would be the household name and as wealthy as he is if he hadn't, you know, buddied up with Letterman. Didn't you think? And he was already, he was on Saturday Night Live and doing mm-hmm. just, you know, he, I mean, he's a talented guy and he knows where to go. See, I think this is the same issue with him, though. You know, you wonder about the issue with the roots on the the Jimmy Fallon show is, you know, the the basic life of a musician is more or less, you know, nomadic. You're going all mm-hmm. over the place playing gigs. But then when you get like a really sweet gig where you're in the same place five days a week and making really good oh, money for, yeah. from it, then they don't, they're not going out on the road. They're not doing as many concerts. And do they lose something as musicians? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That was interesting too when the Roots came on because the Roots had a pretty good following. I mean, they weren't you know super mainstream yeah. or anything. They were, I mean, definitely. So you think they're gonna like do it for five years and then go back to their original thing, but just I with a bigger that. profile? Oh, by the way, if anyone's wondering why we're talking about this on a movie show, it's because Dave was in <laughs> Cabin Boy. He was. He had a very small. And Paul Schaefer made a few cameos, and Beavis and Butthead do America too. Jimmy Fallon has a career in TV because his movie career didn't really go anywhere. I love Fever Pitch. You like Fever? Is it just because it's love about pitch. baseball and the Sox and? I, I could care less about the Boston Red Sox and and most Boston things. But I don't know. I just I just. I kind of forgot how much I love sports until I saw that movie. Um, I have often been accused of being too much of a literalist in my movie criticism, which is to say I'm, I'm too much, you know, I, I admit it, I too much focus on things like, well, that could just never happen, or that's movie BS, <laughs> you know. And so I often do things, like like one of the things in there was he was supposed to be a public, you know, school teacher, but he has, I can't remember, it was two or four season tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, like on the right on the third baseline, like the first row, uh, you know. And so I was like, all right. So I went on the w- w- internet and looked up what those season tickets would cost. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and it's like it's like it's like thirty thousand dollars a year. It was also it was also because if you remember, his uncle left them, left quote unquote, him. left them to him when he passed away. But that doesn't mean he gets them free. He's I mean he still got to pay for still that. Still got to pay for him. And so I also looked up like what a you know average like, he was supposed to be the character of maybe like thirty two thirty five years old mm-hmm. how much he would be making as a public school teacher and it was maybe like sixty grand I was like so basically he's spending half of his before tax income on baseball tickets too much of a literalist and if he's at baseball games three four nights a week when's he grading papers yeah exactly. what about his kids exactly. he has his lesson plans already all worked out the year ahead yeah. Some people are TV people, some people are movie people, and I think Fallon is just a TV guy. But I don't know. I you so. just ruined that movie for me, though. Oh. <laughs> hey, you, haven't, you never saw it? No, I've seen ah. it. I've seen it. But uh, we are movie guys around here, and we do have some movies to talk about. Kind of like one really huge movie and then a few other much smaller movies. Uh, and the big one is Captain America, The Winter Soldier. And yes, I know you're saying to yourself, I didn't know it was the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was the middle of the summer, but... In fact, yes, Marvel Comics, you know, they're now uh, dedicated to supposedly making, th- putting out three to four movies a year. Uh, and not only that, I think we've got three in the next month and a half coming out. So here is Captain America, uh, The Winter Soldier. Give it a listen and then we'll yammer about it. <laughs> yammer? Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. That do call him the Winter Soldier. He's a ghost. You'll never find him. I joined Shield to protect people. Captain, to build a better world, sometimes means tearing the old one down. And that makes enemies. step people are gonna die i can't let that happen captain america needs my help 
when do we start? We just did. The price of freedom is high. And it's a price I'm willing to pay. You told me not to trust anyone. This is how it ends. Everything goes. Like you're giving the orders now, Captain. Damn right. How do we know the good guys from the bad guys? If they're shooting at you, they're bad. You're so There you are. <laughs> it is. It's funny. I don't actually like remember any of that music from the movie because because it's probably during a big you know action set piece mm-hmm. moment. You don't really remember. But yeah. So here we are, April fourth. It was snowing five days ago. With our first movie of the summer. I don't know, Kobe. What do you think about that? I don't know. Um, we we were just talking off air, and it kind of it reminds me of what you were talking about last year when Oz came out about how you said. Uh, March is the new Memorial Day. Just with about the summer blockbusters. Just about just, just the, the lines have grown fuzzier and fuzzier. Uh, we mentioned that you know it was always the first you know it was May. Then they moved it up to like the first Friday in May. Then somebody flipped over into April. Then you started having like the Hunger Games open. The first one opened in April and did huge. And now it's almost like a free for all in that studios are saying well, like well if we can you know have March to ourselves or April to ourselves. Why not release movies there? So we had, you know, Divergence come out uh, a couple of weeks, a couple three weeks ago, and have basically no competition and right. do quite well. Lego Movie, the Lego Movie that was in I think February, and weeks without any other children's movie or yeah. Uh, and so they just they, it's like the, anywhere where they can have the field to themselves because now the the big movies in the summer are so front loaded into May and even in June. I mean, Ed, you were saying, I mean, by the time we get to the first of August, I mean, you're done. Yeah, the first weekend of August is the last weekend for real summer blockbusters because that's the last week. That's the last weekend where there's time for people for repeat viewings before Labor Day. Yeah. So that if it's anything after the first weekend, it's just throwaways. Okay, not to get back into TV too much again, <laughs> but I think TV and film have paralleled themselves somewhat in that we're seeing, you know, it used to be you know your TV shows started in September, went until you know. Uh, April or so, with maybe a little break in the um, mm-hmm. around the holidays, you know, twenty-two seasons. That's what you got. You got twenty-two episodes per season, and that was it. And things have become much. You know, you're seeing you know shows where like you know like we just had the True Detective thing on HBO, which was eight episodes, right. and that was a season. Downton Abbey is eight episodes. Yeah, Downton Abbey Call is the eight midwife episodes. is eight episodes. Um, and it's very much kind of a British America adapting a British schedule, and it's the same thing. It's like you're you're now having shows, you know, like uh. Game of Thrones starts this Friday, or this excuse mm-hmm. me, this Sunday, runs for ten weeks, you know, basically until the start of summer, and then you're done. And uh, what was the other one that just uh, ran and was a really big deal? Oh, uh, The Walking Dead. You know, the, yeah. they they call it one season, but it's really two seasons that are separated by several months of. So we're seeing that in the movies, where it's like we're getting away from these like summer movie, winter movie. You know the dead spring movie, and things are just starting at off times and ending at off times. Yeah, we're guaranteed that January and September are going to be bad. Yeah, we're guaranteed <laughs> but that. the rest of the year is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so you you know May and June are going to be huge, but yeah. you know you're also going to have a few things in March and a few few things in April, and like last year September, which is usually a horrible dead month, into October. Mm-hmm. Last year September was actually pretty good. So. Maybe what was September last year? Well, we had Rush. We had Prisoners. Okay, they're movies I really liked, but ended up not getting too much in the, the Oscar uh, race. Uh, what was the other one? It was Captain Phillips. That may, that may have been Captain Phillips was in October, I think. But I yeah. don't remember. Well, what did you think of Captain America? So we had the first one was three years ago. Is that right, or was it more? I think three years. I, maybe. I don't know. I don't keep up with that uh, with the release dates. But um it's a good solid action action movie. It's a good spy, a good solid spy movie, seventy spy movie. Um, it's it's a good su- superhero flick. It's you know, I mean, I have 
there are parts that I wasn't crazy about. I thought they killed a little too casually. Yeah. You know, um, and, and if you see a, a print, you won't see this online, but if you see a print copy of Nuvo, check out the title to my review that my editor gave it. Yeah. You I, won't I, see that everywhere. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I was um, surprised. Uh, I liked it, too. I thought it was better than the first one just because I didn't particularly care for the first one. I thought the first one had a really good villain. I love that they take they took a, a long time to set up the character as a real character before they, you know, had him biffing and bamming people with his fists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it got to the last 45 minutes. Or so, the, the last hour was just junk. And it's so much stuff with the, the romance. People know I can't stand movies that just, just try and shoehorn in a romance that doesn't belong there. It's like if you've got a movie with a girl, they feel like they have to have a guy. And Draft like, day. Guy, they had, yes. Great example of a movie coming out next really? week. Draft day, they just the negotiations part of draft day are really fun. Yeah, they slap on a romance just because it's like, well, we can't just have nothing but negotiations for two hours. It's Kevin Costner and Mr. Bull Durham. We've got to have a girl for him to be sweet on. Yeah, and it's just, it's just a, it's, it feels completely slapped on. It's pointless, and it's just, you know, it detracts from the movie. And I felt that same way about the girl, the the English British, the British agent girl from the first movie. It's just like we we don't need you. Um, and they they had a little of her in this movie, but of course she's now an old crone. So you know, yeah, because she's old and not cute anymore, Hollywood doesn't care about her. So they bring her up for two minutes and then dispose of her. Well, Cap went to see her. Yeah, well, he's a nice guy. He's a good guy. He's a good man. That's the the, the Who kills the, lots and lots and lots of people. So the two thing does he actually kill them or is he just like knocking them out with that shield? Well, I I thought I heard a lot of necks snapping. Over I think the he kills of that. some of them, but not all. Okay. Of them. He's not like Wolverine, where basically everyone Wolverine encounters in a comet situ- situation becomes you know fillet of fish. Well, of the big three characters, Captain America, Black Widow, and Falcon. It was an hour and 25 minutes into the film before one of the characters told any bystander, get out of the way. Yeah, you, you got to tell the bystanders, get out of the way. I mean, yeah. even if they don't get out of the way, and they did the thing like, you know, a, a tall tower or something is falling, and they keep running in a straight line forward rather than zigzagging to the left or right, uh, you got to tell them to get out of the way. <laughs> but the, the, as far as the actual movie, the... the the, the three central characters, uh, uh, Captain America, Black uh, Widow, and Falcon, uh, they're a good, solid team. They interact real nicely. Scarlett Johansson, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, uh, Anthony Chris, Mackie. Anthony Mackie uh, and Chris. Oh, Chris. What's Chris it? Evans. Yeah, Chris Evans. They they work together real well. Um, the Winter Soldier, I don't remember the guy's name. It doesn't really matter. Uh, he's... <laughs> A drag. Yeah. He's just, he's a, a villain. He's, you know, they've got a face mask on. He's got a robot arm. He doesn't, ex- he's not expressive. They attach some significance to him, but it, you don't feel it. You just hear it. He, he has a big mystery. And if you're, you know, have an, <laughs> have an IQ north of 50, you'll figure it out five minutes into the movie. Yeah. If you've is. ever walked past the Captain America comic, you'll figure this out. Yeah. And it, it's, and as someone mentioned, it was, I can't remember if it was you and your, a review you know in the marvel universe if someone gets shot and seemingly killed it doesn't mean anything it's like no, marvel has no death credibility anymore you know the the clark gregg character from the the movie got killed the in avengers. the avengers and now he's starring in a tv show you know all about shield so and part of the mystery of the show is how did they bring him back um other than the not having a useless uh love interest the, the other thing i liked about the movie is captain america character in that he is supposed to be literally a throwback to his era. He's a man from the 1940s, you know, born in, born in the born in the late te- 19 teens, and here he is now. And he never changes in the sense that he's not the the, the dark and brooding superhero. That that's no. the thing lately is we 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 always have to have a terrible backstories for our heroes, and they're dark and brooding, and they're tortured and angsty, and they not really completely settled with the idea of being a superhero. And here's a guy who basically is. You know, he was born a, a small, scrawny guy. Through miraculous events, was able to become a superhero, and he not only enjoys being a superhero, but he takes it as it is, and he takes the responsibilities as they are. Mm-hmm. He's uncomplicated in the good, in the the best sense of that. And, and the way that it, it ends up working out is because he's such a contrast with the other heroes that we're dealing with. I mean, even Thor. They made Thor a angsty conflicted guy in the thor movies for crying out loud he's a god he was born a god you don't have too many problems when you're a god 
so I, I enjoy him in that role. I, I've said before, you know, without malice, I don't think Chris Evans can act his way out of a paper bag. Uh, but in some ways that ends up helping him here because he doesn't need to show layers. And for acting, we all, we have uh, Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Robert Redford. Yeah, Robert Redford so. in here plays a politician, friend mm-hmm. of S.H.I.E.L.D. And the plot is basically, you know, bad things are happening inside S.H.I.E.L.D. It's not the awesome Homeland Defense Agency that we thought it was. And you'll just have to take it from there. Now, help me with this. How is it? That Cap- Captain America can fall great distances and not hurt his feet. Yeah, that, that's, that's I a, know he tucks and rolls. Yeah, that's still that, that's something they they introduced in this movie, which I didn't. You know, there's a point where he jumps from a plane thousands of feet up, and he is going into water there. But still, as anybody who's ever skydived knows, wait a minute, wait, when you, you said that's something they introduced. Well, he didn't. In he, he could he couldn't do that in the last. movie. So he learns how to do this. He just starts doing it. He apparently learned it during the hiatus between the two movies. Yeah, and I don't quite. You know, the other one he probably jumps what like a hundred feet from the you know high yeah. up area to a deck of a ship. And is it like how pitchers like add a pitch to their repertoire in the off season? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, they even have. I mean, when he le- jumps out of a plane, one of the characters says, turns to another and says. He wasn't wearing a parachute, was he? And the guy goes, no. And it's like, wow, he's a real badass. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Come on. Well, Ed and but I, then later he has to be rescued. Yeah. Ed and I were discussing this after the, the screening. of like, well, so what exactly are Captain America's powers? Yeah. And it's basically he is the epitome of human development. You know, as, as, as strong as a normal human could be, he's that strong. As fast as a human could be, he's that fast. And so he's, like, he's a conservative that isn't irritating. Yes. <laughs> so just imagine, like, you know, a Republican Olympic athlete decathlon can do all the events and win all of them. That's Captain America. That's but, kinda, yeah, but a small R Republican. Small not, R. Yeah, not the current stuff. That's what I was wondering when they started making all these movies about, like, I thought it was weird when the the original Iron Man came out. Not that I'm, I, you know, I'm not well-versed in the Marvel Universe and stuff, but I said, like, why are you making a movie about Iron Man? And then it came, and then it was Thor, and then it was Captain America. I felt like, you know, there's there's other heroes you could be making these movies about, but they picked these seemingly weird three, and then it's the Avengers and all this whole thing. And then, and then like, yeah, what powers does Captain America have? I just told you. Yeah, he's just... A really, really good athlete. He's just a really good athlete with an indestructible shield. But, so, what do we think of Captain America? I'd say we like Captain America. Oh, yeah. Do you need to see the first one? No. 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 It's going to make a million, just a tremendous amount of money that's going to be crowded this weekend, and that's all good. You know, it's more fun to watch with a crowd. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, that was a good movie. It's a good action movie. Good action movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, few other movies. We'll go through the rest of the new things fairly quickly because we're going to talk about some summer movies. Uh, but Ed, you have seen Nymphomaniac Volume Two. Volume One came out last week, uh, right. and you want to just give people a very brief rundown of what this movie. These well, movies it's are another feel-good movie, <laughs> <laughs> but in a very different way. No, this is Lars von Trier. Um, you, if you know him, you know him from. Uh, Oh, Melancholia. It was the one that he, Breaking the Waves. Uh, what was the one where... Uh, Dogville. Uh, yeah, what was the one where um, uh, Willem Dafoe gets punched in the nethers? What's, what Antichrist? Was the, yeah, Antichrist. Yeah. Lot, lots uh, of violence, lots of sex, a lot of stepping over the boundaries of what you can depict in movies. That's he likes it. to be a bad boy. He likes to be offensive. He got... Talking about it, Lars von Trier. Yeah, yeah. Lars von Trier. He got thrown out of some film festival or banned from it because he was speaking sympathetically of, of the, the Nazis. Yeah. And then later said he was just being funny. So he likes to you know, shock that's people. That's what you do. Uh, so the first movie, it's a, it's a, it was a movie he originally intended, I think, to be one movie. Uh, and they split it up into two because yeah, it was the, so the, long. The cut was between four and six hours, depending on what magazine you read. And um, <laughs> the film company either stepped in with his permission and help and cut it into two pieces or stepped in without his permission and help and cut it into two pieces. Again, it depends on who you read. Uh, it even depends on what part of the own press materials because they, they have different information within their own press materials. Uh, or they planned it this way all along and they're faking the the contentious story just to create even more controversy. But if you're thinking, you know, uh, it, it's a, there's explicit sex in the film, lots and lots of full frontal nudity. Unsimulated. Uh, yes, but 
first off, if you're thinking, in t- oh, wow, sexorama, uh, I'm going to go to the hot sex-a-go-go movie. Don't, because it's 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 just a real downer. I mean, you know, it, there's, there's a reason why porn exists. Go, you know, you want porn, go watch porn. Um, it's on the internet, and it's mostly free. This is a study of a woman who's is found by Stellan Starsgard, uh, laying in an alley all beat up and bruised, and he takes her in. Uh, he's a good Samaritan. He, you know, comforts and counsels her, and she tells the story of her life, which is this, and she's a self-described uh, nymphomaniac. And we go through the stuff, and it's very, both parts are interesting. They don't really stick with you later, but they're both interesting. Uh, the sex, you have some named stars in there, including... Uh, Sheila Buff. Yep. Uh, but if you're thinking, you know, oh boy, I get to see this part of so-and-so, you don't, because what they did was get hardcore porn actors and digitally match their bodies with the heads of the well-known actors. So, heads with heads. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and so I don't, I don't know what, you know, I mean, I would think Ron Trier is the guy, one of the guys, the whole dogma movement where you try to film, your, make your movies as naturalistically as possible. You know, this just seems that he, he was one of the founders of that. And it seems like an odd thing for a filmmaker that founded a naturalist movement. You know, if you're going to have heart, real sex in a movie, have real sex in the movie and have the people look like people and not like porn actors. Uh, do you think this whole digitally slapping the porn parts on the mainstream parts, I mean, was that just because the mainstream actors wouldn't do this stuff or was it just him making another commentary about art? I have, I, I don't know. Cause I mean, I obviously no if you saw, if you saw Antichrist, Charlotte Gainsbourg, who's the star of that and is the star of mm-hmm. Nymphomaniac, obviously is not reticent about showing off her body. Um, I don't know. You and I were talking about this movie off the air before before the show started, and I guess my problems with Lars von Trier lately is, is he just seems like he's making this is a very deeply unserious endeavor. I have seen serious movies that included explicit sex. We were discussing the movie Short, Short Bus, Bus from a few years ago, so it is possible to have you know pornographic elements in a legitimately worthy art movie. I, I don't think he's trying to make a legitimate art movie. I think he's trying to cheese people off just for the sake of cheesing people off. I mean, it, it plays as a drama. It plays as a real drama. But, it, I mean, he it's a real drama from a provocateur. So, mm. you know. But so, the main thing was, I, as I told Chris off air, uh, we should just talk on air. We really shouldn't talk between the, the segments. But uh, we, we should, like, <laughs> set our, we should like take our watches off so we think it's not yet 5 o'clock yeah. when the show started and we're talking and we realize, oh, we've been on air this whole time. But I watched the film one day wrote the review the next, and I had to look up the plot synopsis to be able to do it because it didn't stick with me enough to remember all the details. See, to me, that's always an indication of not being able... That a movie wasn't really worthy, didn't really make an impact on you is when you can't remember it. Um, like, a movie for me was uh, obviously a completely different thing. It was Saving Mr. Banks from last December, mm-hmm. where I watched it, and literally six days later, I was trying to write the review, and I was like, what, who was that? Was that the... I, I was unable to recall simple facts from it. And I was thinking about another movie. I mean, a, a, a kid movie, but Dreamscape, sci-fi oh, movie from wow, 1984 that I watched when I was 14 years old 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen since, and yet I had almost total recall of all the important scenes and mm-hmm. characters and stuff. So, yeah. So what, what's what's your final verdict on Nymphomaniac Volume 2? I give it three. Oh, Nymphomaniac, I give it two and a half stars. Uh, a, a C. A great C. Man, I'm looking for... I'm looking... Oh, there we go. Otto, don't flatter yourself. It wasn't that great. There we go. All right. Uh, other new releases this week, kind of low profile. We'll just go through them real quickly. Uh, we do want to say uh, Island of Lemurs, Madagascar, which is the big new 3D movie at the IMAX Indie Downtown at the Indiana State mm-hmm. Museum. Go check that out. It's kind of, you know, these different animal movies we've seen where they film them in their natural environment, but somehow they seem to manage to edit a narrative into right. it. Uh, and we do have a review of that by Mo Hammond up at the uh, Film Yup, so go check that out for Island of Lemurs, again, in the IMAX downtown. Uh, we've got Frankie and Alice, mm-hmm. which probably have never even heard of, but is um, 
Halle Berry, uh, starring in a movie about split personalities. She plays, I believe, a stripper who has split personalities. So she's Frankie and Alex. And yeah. Um, and I don't know what to say about this. I watched the trailer. I think it's only in one or two local theaters. Apparently, this is where Halle Berry's career is right now. Um, this is all she can get made is a movie about a topic that was fresh in 1973. She's got a little movie called X-Men Days of Future Past coming That's up. That's true. Too. That's true. But she's at the, she's like Mike Myers. You know, if, if Mike Myers didn't have the Shrek movies, where would he be right now? He'd be doing Gold Member 4. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would go see that if it was any good. Oh. Uh, we also got The Face of Love. This is more interesting, and I was a little disappointed mm-hmm. that they, they did not screen it for us. Uh, I believe this is playing it just at the landmark Keystone. Yes. And this is uh, Annette Benning, uh stars in this drama where her husband is played by Ed Harris, mm-hmm. and he dies. And then sometime later, she's in just in this terrible grief oh, period. Yeah, yeah. Um, she meets another man who looks just like him, obviously also played oh, by Ed yes, Harris. Yes, yes, yes. And so it's just what about, are the odds? And so it's not just about <laughs> them having this this relationship, you know, and how much it was built on the fact that she looks like her dearly departed husband. But then, of course, when she's like introducing her daughter and her friends, you know, and of course they react very negatively, like, "Why would you date someone who looks just like your dead husband?" Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen it, so I couldn't tell you if, like, in the end, the flip is that it actually is her husband and he faked his death. I, I tend to think not. I think this is one of those more contemplative type type of movies robin williams co-stars so the face of love go check that out i'm sorry we couldn't tell you more about it but hey when they won't screen them for us we can't give you views and reviews right now next week um two movies open i won't be here next week so i'll throw in a few words here the lunchbox and the raid 2 both open next friday at landmark uh, uh keystone and the lunchbox is a story about mistaken identities that's set in India. Um, a woman sends notes to her husband in his lunchbox. It gets delivered to the wrong man, and they build a relationship. It's an interesting, good characters, really an interesting uh, little movie. Then there's The Raid. Did you see The Raid? The no, I've already, I've already heard people oh. describe it as the most violent movie ever made. And as far as cool action movies, through the roof. That was came out in America in 2012. It's, it's The Raid 2 opens a week from today. and The Raid 2, still raiding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's Thir- just as violent. It's They didn't just redo what they did before. They found a way to, to turn the story inside out. It's more action than you've seen in a dozen Hollywood movies. And if you don't mind go- blood and gore, you're going to see the, the most killer action movie you've seen in a really long time. Uh, the thing I liked about the the first Raid movie was that it's a, it's a martial arts movie, mm-hmm. but everyone starts out with guns, and they're shooting at each other. And it's not until everyone runs out of bullets that they start doing all the chop sake. Why? Right. Because if... <laughs> If you are the greatest martial arts master in the world, you are overmatched by a twitchy junkie with a thirty-eight special mm-hmm. or, or what's the Saturday Night Special. I don't care how good you think you are, you're going to lose. So it's it was realistic mm-hmm. in the sense that, and I'm making air quotations, which is really helpful on the radio. Uh, <laughs> it, it was realistic in the sense that it was a gun battle that once everyone could no longer use the guns, they resorted to their hands and fists and everything else. And I, I appreciate that just because so often you see these guys in these movies, the bad guys showing up for a confrontation and nobody has a gun. And I'm sorry, as, as we know from Breaking Bad, that's just not the way it works. And I mean, this this is clockwork orange level violence and level and stylish. You know, there's a, a, a brother, sister, assassin team. She carries a pair of claw hammers. He carries a, a metal baseball bat. And that'll get you into the theater right there. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're going to talk about summer movies and videos, but why don't we take a little break first? And uh, you could just think about what we said because it was so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org.
these any good? Sir? What? Aren't either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Well, have you heard anything about either one of them? I find it's best to stay out of other people's affairs. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. What would you get for a six-year-old boy who chronically wets his bed? So do you have any new movies in? Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? They never rent quality flicks. They always pick the most intellectually devoid movie on the racks. Ooh, Navy Seals! It's like in order to join, they have to have an IQ less than their shoe size. Just go, just go open the video store. Yeah, open the video store. Blockbuster Video! Wow, what a difference! Well, in case you didn't see it, here it is again. All right, and welcome <laughs> Sorry to, the, to catch you guys welcome to the video <laughs> store. It is open. We'll go through the videos fairly quickly, and then get on to the summer movie lineup. Um, so the big movie this week is Anchorman Two: The Legend Continues, uh, the f- sequel from I think nine or ten years ago. The first one, mm-hmm. uh, people raved about the first one. I thought it was a pretty mediocre comedy. I felt the same about the the second one. In that, I don't. Know, it's hard to describe because you know, most mediocre comedies are like just kind of funny. Um, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, this movie is very funny, but very infrequently. <laughs> so I had, you know, six or seven moments where I was just busting out laughing, uh, you know, rolling on the floor, you know, couldn't barely breathe. And then, you know, take out those each 30 second guffaws. And wow, it's it's a real struggle to get through the rest of it. It's like watching a lava lamp that hasn't heated up all the way. <laughs> Oh, well, I think we've got an audio clip, so let's take a listen. That's brilliant. Let's take a listen to Anchorman 2. In the 70s, they were an elite unit with names like Brick, Champ, Brian, and Ron. They rose like the Phoenix, and then they were gone. Their legend became but a whisper told by the trees until now. We're starting a 24-hour news channel, and we want you. I'm going to do the thing that God put Ron Burgundy on this earth to do. Have salon-quality hair and read the news. This just feels right. The news team is back. Welcome to the 80s, baby. Is that your foot between my legs? No. Oh. It was my hand. Your hair looks like wet popcorn. I like the parts of your face that are covered with skin. That's Jack Lime. Look at him. He's a prince. He's not that great. What'd you say? He said you're not that great. Brick. I don't read Jet Magazine or uh, Jerry Curl Daily. What are you doing? I'm breaking down the barriers of race by assimilation. And on that note, which one of you convicts with the longest record can pass me the mashed potatoes? Am I right? Say what? There you go. All right. So there we go. I I think we both agreed that Steve Carell uh, is probably the best thing in the movie, especially his scenes with uh, Kristen Wiig, who play people who are just so unintelligent. I'm not sure if it's unintelligent, but like so inexperienced in the ways of the world as if they are just. I think I said in my review that the the, Brick is the name of the Steve Carell character. He's like an infant who is suddenly zapped to adult Mm -hmm. form. And so he has like the intelligence and cognitive ability of an adult. But doesn't have any of the social, yeah. you know, experience or you know, understand anything. And Good she plays the female version of that. It's yeah. like uh, Andy, uh, uh, Andy Dwyer, uh, Chris Pratt's character yeah. on Parks and Recreation. You know, but, but more of a sweeter kind of mm-hmm. way, as opposed to he. He is probably the MVP of this movie. You know, he puts he, he puts the most laughs on the board. I think with yeah, his Carole's character, hilar- he's hilarious. Uh, I mean, with just these strange. My, my, my favorite throwaway line from the movie is, he, he says is on sunny days a black man follows me around everywhere and someone tells him I think that's your shadow yes that's a great great line uh, and delivered so well you know there's a part you know, but then there's other parts that don't work well like there's a part where you know they're trying to get the old team deck together and they're all over the place and so they learn that you know Brick has died and so they have to go to his funeral and then you know a guy steps up to give the eulogy and it's Brick and you know he's he's confused about the fact that 
he thinks he has died and he's here to give the his own eulogy and has to be convinced that he's still alive and that you know that's and it goes on and on and it's and it's fun, a little bit funny for about four seconds and then a whole lot of waiting around. So that, that's this whole movie. It's 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 you know whole lot of waiting pitch, for the next thing. Whole lot of pitches that are just going into the stand, but then zoom, man, they'll throw one right down the plate that you're just like, wow. And if you missed it, they released another version of the film with. They did so many takes of the various uh, scenes in the film and with different jokes ad libbed that they released another version of the film which they claimed had 700 and some odd different yeah. jokes. So, that's yeah. what they're running on the commercial now, and that's what I was wondering about too is if if it's, you know, a, as you're watching the movie and one of those scenes come up, if it just loops through all the different takes they did or if there are no. literally. I think, that, I think they, 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 they swap them out. So instead yeah. of him saying like these two lines, he'll say those three lines, but like the setup will be the same. Yeah. And then they'll go to the reaction shot, and so they do that. So yeah, and that's I believe only available in the Blu-ray version. So if yeah. you go oh, really? che- if you go cheap and get the DVD, if you oh, go tough. cheap. So if, not... if you want if you want to hear different, incredibly spotty ad libs, you have to buy a, a Blu-ray system, or do without. Yeah, don't I... buy that video. Don't buy the. Don't buy it. Yeah. Don't <laughs> encourage this behavior. Uh, we've also coming out on video got forty seven Ronin. This is a hugely hundred million dollar cost movie. Came out in December, uh, starring and directed by Keanu Reeves. Uh, it's based on a very ancient story about uh, Ronin, whose master I try to remember that I believe their master was killed, and they're going out for revenge. Uh, he plays the um, uh, Westerner who becomes one of them. Uh, I mean, just I don't want to say died at the box office. It didn't even exist. At the no. box office. I mean, people were just like, what? Ninja movie? Keanu Reeves? Huh? And, you know, they went back to their holiday cheer. I Pretty know. Pretty much. I've, I've actually read some reviews of it that said it was halfway decent as an action movie. Yeah, I heard I heard it was really dull for the most part. But, I mean, the main thing with, with, with Keanu Reeves is whenever you, you hear his name, it's just you wait to hear the name of the film just to make sure it isn't Matrix 4. Yeah. Uh, has ever a man gotten so far in a movie career, you know, with so little? Uh, and I'm not trying to be mean to him, but it's just like, it's kind of like Chris Evans. It's like, if you could find the right role for him in the right movie, oh. he can be really effective. Yeah. But, I mean, this is not a true, you know, thespian who you could just take him off the street and put him in any play or TV show or movie, and he will just nail it. But, I mean, movies like River's Edge. The River's Edge, one of those movies I always tell people he's terrific in that. Bill Uh, and Ted. Bill and Ted was hilarious, and the sequel was not bad. Parenthood, the the Steve Martin movie Mm -hmm. from the late 80s. He was very good really good in that. So, not to rip on Mr. Keanu. No. He he can do good stuff when he needs to. Uh, It's just he has to find those good things. (laughs) Um, And it's not... And the, for me, the memory of Matrix Three will always linger. Like in my world, I, you know, you you design your own reality, and in my world, the Matrix was made, and that was it. You know, Kurt Cobain went to rehab, and he's living in Seattle and happy right now. And there was only one Matrix movie. Yeah, yeah. I and Letterman's not retiring. And Letterman's not <laughs> retiring. Uh, the Princess Fairy is the new uh, thing from Disney, where they're you know they've got their whole TV empire now. Uh, and somewhat their TV empire. The pirate sometime. fairy. Yeah, the pirate yeah. fairy. So it, it, I think they're taking a couple of their different Disney shows uh, and putting some characters from that into a movie uh, straight to theater just to get a little money. Normally this would go straight to video, but the, they actually screened this for us. I did not go to it, though. Yeah, are you, Is it actually in theaters? Yeah. Uh, I, no, this one is actually is just in um, – they showed it in theaters. Last Saturday the in the morning. Yeah, screening in theaters. Uh, but I think it's – more or less going straight to video with, but how, that, that, that's an interesting question. Of it was shown in a theater, so, but only some, so a somebody sneak. somewhere saw it in a theater. Mm-hmm. So is that considered a theatrical release if no one's paying to see it in a theater? I guess not. <sighs> Conundrums. Um, Those Disney folks sure have a way with money. Uh, and <laughs> and Fargo is being uh, coming out today in a new remastered version. I know you're saying to yourself that movie's only what like. Uh, 18 years old was it 94 96 it came out this this is the please watch the tv series version yeah so uh fargo coming out if you want to get that uh all remastery um but yes it is (laughs) it is time for our little summer movie preview we're going to do here in april 
Um, and so we'll just talk about some of the movies coming out. So we were mentioning about how big movies in, mm-hmm. in April. We've got another big one coming out in a couple of weeks, Transcendence, which right. is a big science fiction epic starring Johnny Depp as a uh, a guy who uh, develops a big computer network and then dies and has his mind put into the network and starts doing all sorts of evil, mean things. Looks looks interesting. Yeah, I just I you know I mean we had her which explored consciousness within a computer system and didn't go the route that cheap TV shows go. I just hope this was this one doesn't head in that direction, you know. It does sound that they're kind of going that way, but they might they might be smart about it. You never know. I live in a computer now. Why? Look at the resources. I I can rule the world. Spider-Man 2 on May 2nd um and that's coming out the so if you remember, they made three Spider-Man movies. The first one was good. The second one was tremendous. Probably still number one or number two best superhero movie ever made, in my opinion. After Daredevil. <laughs> uh, and then the third one came out and was just, uh And so then, then they were rebooting it just five years after the third one. Uh, and the reason they were doing that was because literally it was like something dreamed up in an accountant's office mm-hmm. where if they didn't make a movie by such a such a date the rights to the character will revert to another party and so then they can make their movies and become rich instead of these people and you say to yourself wow that's just a, such a cynical reason to make a movie and yet i thought the the reboot of the amazing spider-man was still a very good movie it was entertaining. I, liked it. I did too so we've got uh, all that game back uh just imagine when the third one comes out the you know the remake of the really bad one yeah you're gonna have to go to actors and say we're make, we're remaking a bad movie, and we we're thinking of you. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, but they're trying. We do have a Green Goblin in this, although I think he's more of a tertiary villain in this. Um, and uh, but I think the main bad guy is Electro, which we've not seen before, uh, played by uh, uh, Jamie Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I think this is one of those ones where they have a few minor villains in it there as the background, but Electro is the main bad guy. Also, the Rhino, big unstoppable oh, guy, played by Paul, Paul Giamatti. Giamatti. Although I, I believe in this version, really? he's it, he's wearing a you know like a cyborg suit. Yeah, he's, he's in not a like, Rhino. He's not Iron been transformed. Not know. been transformed because you can't take you know short pudgy guys and try and turn them into <laughs> big raging behemoths, as we saw with Michael Chiklis in the Fantastic Four movies. Oh. oh. Uh, okay, quick question, uh, Spider-Man related question. I did not see Spider-Man two or three. Saw the see two uh, first two, one. Two is tremendous. Does do we see Venom or Carnage? Venom is in the third one. Oh, okay, very good. And not very well done. He's played by Topher Grace from that '70s show, and he, Topher Grace actually had a little bit of a movie career mo- momentum going. Yeah. And then he was in Spider-Man three, and, and as far as I could determine, his movie career is done now. Uh, the the subway scene with the New Yorkers and Spider-Man was that that was in two, wasn't it? I think so. That was a great scene, yeah. just a great scene. Uh, so yet another Marvel franchise on May twenty third, X Men: Days of Future Past, and I believe we have an audio clip of this one. For those that don't know, just to very briefly set up, this is a very famous storyline from I think uh, thirty or 30, thirty five years ago where they looked at a dystopian future of the X-Men where almost all the mutants have been killed and these big robots called the Sentinels rule the Earth. Mm-hmm. And there's basically, so the story happens in parallel times where characters now are trying to affect things in the future and Wolverine is kind of at the center of it. Let's take a listen to X-Men Days of Future Past. So many battles waged over the years. And yet, none of them like this. Are we destined to destroy each other? Or can we change who we are and unite? Is the future truly set? Mutants, we now find ourselves on the edge of extinction. to go into the past to end this war before it ever begins. Use your power. Bring the X-Men together. 
It's going to take the two of us. Side by side at a time when we couldn't be further apart. You took the things that mean the most to me. Maybe you should have fought harder for them. There is a new enemy out there. Mutants. You'll need a new weapon for this war. I know what I have to do. It's us or them. Years wasted fighting each other, Charles. I've watched a lot of people die. Friends. We've been given a second chance. Guide us. Lead us. I don't want your future! You're afraid. I remember. All right, X Men: Days of Future Past. I'm I'm really excited about that Me one too. just because uh, I, I love that comic book series from back in the day. So I'm really excited about that. And it lets the cast from both series of x-men yeah so we've had the, the the so you know we had the early look at like them them in the 60s so mm-hmm. we're gonna have characters from that uh and then also here in them in the present day and then them whatever it is 30 years more yeah, in the future everybody gets to be in it i'm really excited uh maleficent am i pronouncing that right yes. that's the villainess from sleeping beauty played by angelina jolie it looks like a very visually interesting movie the Fault in Our Stars, of course, everyone knows uh, local author John Green wrote the very famous uh, young adult book uh, about two teenagers dealing with cancer and falling in love. Uh, set in, in Indianapolis. Not too many movies you see <laughs> set in Indianapolis. However, shot in Pittsburgh I or something so. like that. Yeah, that's too bad. Thanks, thanks, Indiana, for closing the film commission. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2, probably the big animated movie of this summer. The first one was a really good movie. Very good movie. That's uh, uh, June 13th. Transformers Age of Extinction uh, in late June. I'm excited about it. It's the first Transformers movie that is 100% Sheila's. Mark Wahlberg steps in. No Sheila buff in this one. He's too busy not showing his penis in the Nymphomaniac movies. (laughs) <laughs> Dawn of a busy boy. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. This is the sequel to Rise of the Planet of the Apes from the about three years ago. The big happy surprise. Yeah, a movie oh. we all saw, didn't think anything of, uh, didn't know anything about it, and it was the best movie of the summer that year. Uh, and then we've got Guardians of the Galaxy. So that's yes, that's right, you're cutting it right. Four Marvel Comics Universe franchises in the space of four months. And we do have an audio clip of Guardians of the Galaxy, which you may not be as familiar with, so let's take a listen. Legendary Outlaw? Forget it. We arrested these five on Xandar. Check out the rap sheets. Drax, a.k.a. the Destroyer. Since his wife and family were killed, he's been on a rampage across the galaxy in a search for vengeance. Gamora, soldier, assassin, wanted on over a dozen counts of murder. Rocket, wanted on over 50 charges of vehicular theft and escape from lockup. What the hell? Groot. He's been traveling recently as Rocket's personal houseplant slash muscle. Peter Jason Quill. He's also known as Star-Lord. Who calls him that? Himself, mostly. He's wanted largely on charges of minor assault, public intoxication, and fraud. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know how this machine worked. Hey, 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 that's mine. Hey, take those headphones off right now. That's Guardians of the Galaxy, which starts at the beginning of August. Superhero movie with some superheroes that aren't very well known. A space adventure movie 
It's funny. It's also a super, a, a regular superhero action movie. Here's the big thing about it. Colorful characters, and it stars Chris Pratt. I have come to learn that if Chris Pratt is in something, it's going to be, it's going to at least have redeeming features, and it's probably going to be good. He's the voice, ta- the, the the lead voice for the Lego movie. He's in Parks and Recreation. I'm really high on Chris Pratt right now. Really terrific. Yeah. Definitely one of the more offbeat potential hits from this summer. Yeah. One well, of the heroes is a raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> Another is a tree. Well, turning away from the uh, the big studio movies, we've also got our own summer lineup at the Indianapolis, uh, the Indianapolis Museum of Art has their IMA Summer Movie Nights for 2014 lineup just announced. And we'll just jump through that real quick. Breakfast at Tiffany's. This is in order. Friday the 13th. The Jerk. Yes. The French Connection. Yes. Vertigo. All right. Hook. Nope. Flashdance. <laughs> American Graffiti. Clue. The Odd Couple. Mean Girls. And The Godfather. What do you think of that list? It's I like Breakfast at Tiffany's and Friday. I mean, or Friday the 13th. I just like hearing those names back to back. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing two movies from the 50s, and then the rest of it seems to be 70s forward. I don't think they were trying as hard as they should. Yeah, Bre- I think Breakfast from <laughs> Tiffany's. Am I allowed 60s. to say that? I'm already. Yeah, in tr- uh. I, I admit they, they've usually, you know, they at least sneak one or two that are offbeat in there, and the Jerk and maybe Hook are kind of the offbeat ones this year. And if that's offbeat, that's not terribly offbeat. No. No, um, but I guess yeah, the, gee, the winter nights is probably where they try and do a little more offbeat stuff. Um, and finally, let's talk about um, the little segment that we call uh, "Dead People We Like," <laughs> because as Kobe likes to say, we don't. We don't have time for dead people we don't like. Uh, <laughs> and then is our way saying of here, saying here on film sociology about uh, notable passings from the film uh, world this this week. Uh, I can't remember did did because he actually passed away last Friday, so don't I don't know if he was included in the show. There's enough time. Lorenzo Semple, screenwriter. I don't know if I don't think so. If we're repeating him from last week, I'm sorry. Screenwriter did the Batman TV show, but also the movie Flash Gordon, Three Days of the Condor, Parallax View, and Papillon with Steve McQueen and oh. Dustin Hoffman. Interesting guy. Kate O'Mara, actress probably best known for the Dynasty TV show back in the 80s, but also made some schlocky horror films when she was young and cute called, like, The Vampire Lovers, <laughs> Horror Frankenstein, and so forth. Mark Platt uh, was a dancer and actor, died at the age of 100. He was one of the seven brothers in Seven Brides for oh, Seven Brothers. I like that movie. And he was also in Oklahoma. And uh, we've got Richard Brick who was the former New York City Film Commissioner and also produced several of Woody Allen's more recent films. Mm-hmm. Jerry Briggs, an actor, he's one of those that guys, if you saw him, had a big bald head and piercing eyes, was in Bernie from just a few years ago, was in Tender Mercies, Silverado, uh, just a character actor was about hearing about. And we also had Birgitta Valberg, who is a, a Swedish actress who worked with Ingmar Bergman with kind of smaller parts in his movies over the course of about 30 years. Uh, one last one I want to spend a little more time on, Arthur Guitar Boogie Smith. All right. You probably have not heard of him. In 1955, he was a musician who wrote a, a, a piece of music called Feud, Feudin' Banjos, which was two banjo guys playing and going forth. Uh, it was a modest hit. 1972, it gets used in a movie called Deliverance. Oh, no. They renamed it Dueling Banjos, becomes a huge hit, goes up to number two on the charts, Mr. Arthur Guitar Boogie Smith does not get a credit, and he sues them all in a landmark copyright case, gets his name put back onto the song, gets his royalties, gets his credit, gets a Golden Globe nomination uh, for that, and then, of course, that piece of music became so famous. So, Arthur Guitar Boogie Smith. We salute you. You got anything else to tell people? Uh, no, I just think maybe we should change that segment to dead people we've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been Film Sociology, a uh, film talk show here on WFYI HG to the point. Matt Sosi will be back next week. Yay, Matt. We'll see ya. What do I got here? Oh, yes. Sven Gulli. Three years on MeTV tomorrow night, 10 o'clock, Bride of Frankenstein. Awesome. Tune in. Where is that going to be now? MeTV. Oh, tomorrow night, wow, 10 o'clock. Okay. We gone. Good night, Fort Myers.